But for now, I want to talk to you this morning about 2020, about our new series, about our theme for 2020, There Is More. Did you know as a culture of people, as, as human beings, we are always searching for more? Does anybody feel that? It's been a, it's been a time over Christmas, hasn't it, of, of, of more in our eyes, more presents, more chocolates, more food, more people coming to visit us. Did anybody else have Christmases like that? It's been an amazing time. As people, we are always reaching for more. And as people of God, as a church, we believe that there is more. As we go into a new year, in every year that we go into, we believe there is more that we can experience. More for many people who don't even have a knowledge of God, who don't have a relationship with God. But more for all of us too, that God has more that he wants to do, more that he wants to bring to the world, more of the good things that God can bring. You know, when we look at the news, we look at social media, it's so easy to see stuff in our world that feels wrong. It doesn't feel like the way things should be. And we believe that there's more that God wants to bring to the world. So we're going to be thinking about that theme throughout this year. Here's a verse on the screen. We opened our first prayer time, our first 7 a.m. prayer time of 2020. Matt opened with, with this verse, which is an amazing verse. You may have heard it before, saying this is um, someone in the New Testament writing about God, saying, To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory we serve a God of immeasurably more, more than we could ask or imagine. I could ask or imagine quite a lot. What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming for this year, next year, in the time that goes ahead? We serve a God who can fulfill our dreams. He can handle our worries. He can make real our hopes and visions. But what does this actually mean in practice? And that's what I want to think about a little bit this morning. And I want to talk to you about wonder. Now, wonder, and um, there's this psychological phenomenon called awe or wonder. This is what psychologists talk about when they describe the experience that you have. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments where you're just going about normal life and you see something and it's so amazing it's so awesome, it's so spectacular that you, you're just stopped in your tracks. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just stand and watch something? As, a, as there was a group of us from this church, we went on a trip to Israel um, at the end of last year. And we, we had a couple of moments where we just stood and watched the sunset. Have you ever done that? just stood and watched it because there's something about that moment that is so awesome. It fills you so full of this experience called wonder that you just have to stop what you're doing and just, just take it all in. Or maybe take a photo and put it on Instagram, yeah? Because that's what we do now as well, isn't it? It's, and this is an experience that has triggered real interest, not, not for a long time, but relatively recently from psychologists, from people who are researching the mind, and they call it awe or wonder. And it's a unique emotional experience. It has this unique quality. And the reason that they've become so interested in it is two things. And the first is because the draw of awe is really big. People seek this out. People seek experiences that give them a sense of awe. 
We do. We go to look for the amazing views, the sunsets. We love experiences and spectacles that give us that experience of wonder. Cirque du Soleil, I don't know if anybody's seen Cirque du Soleil. It's this massive circus group. They do all this amazing stuff. But they have actually hired their own psychologist. As a psychologist, I think being a circus psychologist would be pretty cool, just by the way. But they've hired their own psychologist to explore how can they create more of an experience of awe and wonder when people come to their shows because they know that's why they come. They come to have that moment of, wow. And we seek this stuff out. So the draw of awe is significant, but also the impact of it matters. When we have a moment of wonder, it has an impact on us that's positive. And the research looking at this stuff is showing that the impact on people really is good. That's why we seek it out. It drops your experience of stress. It lowers things like your blood pressure. It triggers positive feelings. It's even been shown to have an impact on things like the level of inflammation in your body. There's something about awe and wonder that's good for us. But it's not just good for you as an individual. The really interesting thing about awe and wonder is the impact it has on the way we interact with one another. Because it's been shown that when you've experienced one of these moments of awe and wonder, it changes the way that you act and react with other people around you. It increases your sense of connection. It raises the chance of you behaving in a way that's ethical, that's generous. We are kinder to our fellow human beings when we've had one of these moments. It's such a fascinating thing. This is a psychologist called Jonathan Haidt. He's a social psychologist. And he says this, he says, awe acts like a kind of reset button. It makes people forget themselves and their petty concerns or opens people to new possibilities, values and directions in life. So there's something about awe that, that releases a new potential that improves the version of you that's being presented to the world. It has a big impact on you. So how do, we, how do we experience it? You know some of the instinctive ways you could see the picture on the screen, someone looking at the aquarium. As a family, a year ago, we went to this amazing aquarium that's in the north of France. It's like the biggest one in Europe or something. And we had loads of these moments of just standing there going, wow. So there is something about experiencing the wonders of, of creation that definitely triggers it, going to an amazing show, the spectacle of lots of people brought together. There are lots of different ways you can experience this. And research tells is here's something about finding something that's bigger than ourselves and, and having that moment where you in comparison feel small and in, insignificant compared to what it is that you're witnessing. I'm going to pop on the screen. This is a video of one of the most classic examples of how to trigger awe. So let's run, run the video for it just while I'm talking. This is, um, this is a view from, of the Earth from outer space. It's actually a time-lapse video from the International Space Station. And one of the most reliable ways to trigger awe is something called the overview effect. And it's something that happens to astronauts who've had this view like for real. Because when you've seen the Earth from that perspective, it seems that it changes you forever. It has such a massive impact on your perspective, your understanding of yourself and how you relate to the rest of the world, that the impact is lifelong. It changes you. 
to such a degree that scientists are trying to work out, is there a way they can recreate this? So there, literally, you may have seen a report, it was in late December in the papers, that there is a study starting this year where they're getting people to lie in flotation tanks. And they are beaming images like this all around them to see if they can mimic the impact of the overview effect without actually having to send everybody up to outer space. Because it seems like when we experience this sense of vastness, of, of our insignificance, of how we relate to the bigger world, when we get that different perspective, it changes us. Literally, when we do see that there is something more, there is something that is bigger than us. You can flip off that video for now. When we see that there is more, it changes us. It opens the potential of our mind. And literally, when they scan people's brains in moments where they're having experiences like this, moments of awe and wonder, what we see is it does change the way that your brain operates. And it does two really interesting things. It switches off the bit of your brain at the front here, which is the bit that thinks and, and mulls things over continually. It's the obsessive bit of your mind that you cannot switch off at night when you're trying to sleep. It's the you-focused, egocentric bit that worries, that mulls things over. But it's very much from your own perspective. And that bit of your brain seems to switch off or turn down in moments of awe. And at the same time, it turns up the bit of your brain that is about connection with other people, but also is the seat in your mind of creativity, of imagination. So it's turning off the bit of your brain that is self-obsessed and caught up in everyday worries. And it's switching up your imagination, your creativity. Awe and wonder literally expands the potential of your mind. It's like it gives you the opportunity to release the best version of yourself. It's literally awesome. And it seems like this sense, this need to know that there is something more is so intrinsically built into our DNA that it's literally part of us and the way that our minds work to be our best self, to see that potential, but also the unity and the connection that we have amongst each other as human beings. So what is this all about and how do we respond to this? Wonder is also the title of our new series, which I'm launching this morning. We're going to start off 2020 by exploring wonder, but specifically by exploring the wonder of God. Because I believe and we believe as a church that the reason this is so intrinsic in our DNA, this is not just evolution. If you read the papers, they'll say, oh, I don't know why this happened. Maybe it evolved so that we can truly look up to our leaders. I don't think this evolved so I can have a better view of my political leaders. I think the reason that we react in the way that we do to moments of awe and wonder is because something in our very souls is reaching out instinctively to God that there is something more, and we know it deep in our DNA in the way that we were designed. When we have these moments of clarity that make us realize it, something in our souls sings out to God. And we're going to explore, therefore, in this series, wonder more about God. Who is this God? 
who is real and significant and who has an impact and something to say to us? How do we push into more of God? How do we understand better who God is? How do we know what that means for us as individuals, but also as people of God doing this together, trying to bring the good things of God to this earth? And we're going to do it by looking at some of the names that are given to God in the Bible. Because it may surprise you to know that, I mean, it won't surprise you to know that the Bible does mention God quite a lot. He comes up. But actually, it doesn't refer to him just as God. In the Bible, there are many names. In fact, over a hundred different names are used to talk about God. And we know that in the time the Bible was written, names were hugely significant. They mattered and they had a greater significance than just what you're called. They said something about who you were. This is a quote from a guy called John Mark Comer who wrote a book called God Has a Name. And he says, in ancient writings like the Bible, a name was way more than a label. Your name was your identity, your destiny, the truth hidden in the marrow of your bones. It was a one-word moniker for the truest thing about you, your inner essence. Names are revelatory of the nature of a person. So when we look at the different names that are used in the Bible for God, we can explore more of who God is, more of the inner essence of God, more of the character of God. We can come to understand more about God. And we can understand what the more is there for for us as we try and step and press into more of our relationship with God, more of our experience of God. And so today I want to kick that off. And it is appropriate at the beginning of this series, at the beginning of a new year, that the name of God I want to start with is the first one that's ever used for God in the Bible. It is right at the beginning, the beginning of creation, the beginning of the world that we know. And it is Genesis 1 verse 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the story of creation. Remember, one of the most significant and reliable ways to trigger this experience of awe and wonder is to have a moment where you gaze on something from creation. There is something about the way that we interact with this world, this earth that God created, that instinctively triggers something in us. And we read right at the beginning of Genesis that it is God who created all of these things, that when we have those moments, it is a connection with the God who created everything that we see around us. And the name that is given, that is used right at the beginning in this verse is this one. It's Elohim. It's a, and, and it's a really interesting name for God because actually it wasn't a unique name at the time that it was used, at the time that Genesis was written. Elohim is actually an ancient Hebrew name, an ancient Hebrew term that refers to God or gods or even people who had great power and authority. It's used sometimes for very wise leaders or judges, also used for angels and gods. Because at the time of the Old Testament, there were many gods that people worshipped. They believed in many, many different gods. We still have a time now where there are many gods that people worship, literal gods or whether they're gods in terms of things that people turn to, things that people focus on, people chase, 
whether it's the God of money or possessions or whatever it is. And in that time too, there were many gods that people turned to and worshipped. And what's interesting in the beginning of Genesis is the way that this is used, not to refer to many gods, because it was a plural term, so it usually was a collective term, but to refer to one God, one significant God who was creating everything in the beginning. It continues like this in verse 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's interesting that in that, what it's saying very clearly is that before this moment happened, there was nothing. Literally, those words mean there was emptiness, there was void, there was a vacuum When Genesis says, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, Elohim, it is challenging an understanding that was around at the time and saying, actually, God was before all things, one God, one ultimate divine person who created everything in the beginning. Because most of the creation myths that were around at the time talked of many gods, and many of them would say things like that the gods were fighting, and and, and creation happened almost by accident, that all of this stuff just came about. Not That's not the story that Genesis tells us, that God was there from the beginning, that creation was this intentional decision. And what I love about this verse is that those words that are translated here talking about how the earth was formless and empty, it it even then speaks of the potential of something there. Literally, it means there was chaos and confusion and and vacuum and void, but there, there was a sense of potential, that word for empty vacuum. There's a sense that something there that could be filled, something where something could be done with. The word there that, that talks about the, what the earth was formless, literally that means it was wasted. Before God stepped in, there was potential there, but it was all chaos, it was all confusion. But what Genesis tells us is right from the beginning, God was there. And he steps in, uniquely divine, uniquely powerful, uniquely creative. And he transforms this earth, bringing order, bringing unity, bringing creative potential, bringing everything that we see today, the ultimate God, the one God, the all-powerful Elohim. Our God, the creator, is the God of wonder. When we look at creation and something in our soul leaps with it, it leaps because it connects with the God who created all of it. This is Psalm 65 verse 8. It says, The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades. When we look at the world around us, we see something bigger, something more, because we see something of God. It's those moments of clarity in the busyness, in the confusion, in the noise of our life. Like when you're in a busy room and, and there's loads of noise around and suddenly someone calls your name and just, just somehow your brain latches onto that thing. Or maybe you hear the voice of someone that you know and you, you spin around and look for them because something in your soul recognizes that. Even it's not at a level of conscious understanding, there's just something deep within you, an instinct that knows that's what a moment of awe and wonder is. 
And the words in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talk about awe and wonder, they have that literal meaning of heaven touching earth. These are moments where just for a second we're reminded of the truth of this God, the all-powerful, all-divine God who created all of these things. And of course, God didn't stop at creation. We, we've come into the new year, but we've just come out of that time where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. That amazing story, the Christmas story that we celebrate. And, and the Bible teaches us that Jesus was this same God, Elohim, the same all-creating God. This is a quote from a book called Colossians, which is in the New Testament, talking about who Jesus was. And it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In him all things were created. Jesus is that same God. That was the amazing and incredible thing about that Christmas story when it happened. The idea that you could take that amazing, all-powerful God who created everything and put him in a little baby, in a human being. It was so ridiculous, so crazy, so radical that many people of the time struggled to believe that it could possibly be true. And our creative God of promise and possibility He did this because he knew that that people would need an escape plan. You know, the Genesis story talks of this ideal, the blueprint for the way that God planned for earth and life and human beings to live in perfect connection with their God, the creator, and with each other and with the creation that, that he put together. But the story of the Old Testament is one of tragedy because people can't live up to that. And we mess it up all the time. So God had an escape plan. And Jesus coming to the earth is that same God physically coming down and joining us in the creation that he made to make it possible to restore that original blueprint again for us to have that relationship. When our souls feel that sense of awe and wonder and reach out to God, we have the ability to have a real connection now with that same God because of what he did through Jesus. And Jesus talked about the experience of awe and wonder. The New Testament talks a lot about signs and wonders. These moments of the miraculous where things happen that are impossible unless God is involved. That in the same way, our signposts remind us that there is more going on here than just human cleverness or human intervention, that there is something more happening. And Jesus said this, this is in one of the Gospels. He says, unless you see things like this, signs and wonders, you will never believe. Jesus taught that there was something about these moments when we experience awe and wonder that leads us to something, that gives us the opportunity to recognize the reality of that all-powerful God in our lives, physically present with us here today, in our everyday life, in our world right now, in 2020, just like he was right back at the beginning of time when he created the earth. These moments of awe and wonder, they they are great moments for us as people, but more than that, they're signposts to something more, to the ultimate significance. 
There's this moment in, in a book called Acts. Acts is one of the, it's the first book that comes after the Gospels in the New Testaments, and it tells the story of the first early church after Jesus had come and been on the earth and died and given his life for all of us as people. It tells the story of the early church. And there's this moment in Acts 2 where Peter, who's one of the leaders of that church, he's explaining to the people what has happened, what happened when this same almighty creative God came down to earth in a human being in Jesus. He says, God proved that he sent Jesus to you by having him work miracles, wonders, and signs. All of you know this. God had already planned and decided that Jesus would be handed over. So you took him and had evil men put him to death on a cross. But... God set him free from death and raised him to life. Death could not hold him in its power. Because Jesus was the almighty creator God, death couldn't hold him. He has power even over death because he created all things. So in that moment when Jesus is willing to give his life, he defeats death and he offers the ultimate possibility for all of us as people to have relationship and connection with God, to have something more, something beyond this everyday life that we experience here. When our souls reach out and cry to God, God has created a way so that we can have that connection and that relationship. And Peter, in that talk to the early church, he quotes an ancient prophecy from a book called Joel, where God says this. He says, a time will come when I will show wonders in the heaven and on the earth. And and how that is going to happen is is perhaps the most exciting thing that I want to share today. And it's it's what I want to finish on for us to ponder as we go through this whole series, this whole year, as we push into the something more of God. And this is what what Acts 2 says happened to the early church. It says, A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone as they, as the early church, explored the something more of God, as they realized what Jesus has done. A deep sense of holy awe swept over them. And the apostles, that means the, the leaders, the people of God who were part of that church, they performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the most amazing thing about this story, about those moments when our soul reaches out to connect with the all-powerful, creative God, the ultimate divine, is that we as ordinary people then have the potential to become carriers of that divine power. How do we see signs and wonders now in the earth? Not just the wonder of creation, but those miraculous moments where heaven touches earth, where we see something of God and the goodness of God and all the things that our world so desperately needs to see. How do we see those things? We see them because we become carriers of that same divine power and authority. Let's, let's look again at that verse that I started off with today. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. To that God, to the divine, to the powerful, to the creator, Elohim God. To him be the glory. But how does that immeasurably more come off? So often we read this verse and we miss the second half. How? According to his power that is at work, where? Within us. 
That's the amazing thing about this story. That's the amazing thing about those moments of awe and wonder. That's the amazing thing about those times when just for a second, something deep within your soul and your spirit connects with the reality of there being this all-powerful God. The truth is, we can enjoy those moments of awe and wonder just for what they are, gratuitously, get some kicks from them, take the Instagram photo, ooh, over the wonderful fireworks or the beauty of creation or whatever it is that we're seeing. We can enjoy the momentary flash of creativity and unity, the wider perspective that it gives us. But are we missing something if that's all we do? Because to truly harness the power and potential of those moments, we need to realize what they point us towards. The reality that there is a God of immeasurably more. There is a God who longs to bring change and good things to this world now. The reality that the way he does that is through us and the way that we can carry his awesome power. The reality that there is something more. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this year. So I want to ask you this morning, what is God saying to you? Maybe there's some of you here for whom the something more is just that initial recognition that this is real, that those moments when your soul connects with something, that there actually is a God out there. It's hard in our world where we're so cynical, where we like to prove everything, where we feel we have to test everything. It's hard to to allow yourself to believe that this is real, but there is something more. There is a God out there. Maybe your step this morning is just to be able to step into that. Maybe you've had faith for a long time and your something more is to think, well, what does that mean to me? What does it mean to press more into who God is? To think more about how I push deeper into that. Maybe there's a step that God is calling you to take this morning to carry better that divine potential and purpose yourself and bring it to the world around you. What I want to do now is just just for a couple of minutes, take a moment And we're going to have a moment where we reach out and experience that awe and wonder. And as we do that, I want to say to you, what is God saying to you this morning? So we're just going to take a moment of quiet. And I'm actually going to read one of the Psalms. It's Psalm 8. And I'm going to read it over us. But I want to ask you as we're doing that to, to, to just say to God, what are you saying to me this morning? And then I'm going to pray and and hand back to the band. But but just before you rush off and get back to your normal life and the busyness of the day, let yourself have this moment of awe and wonder and let your soul reach out and connect with God and ask, what's my something more? So can we play again that, that video on the screen and I'm going to read this psalm for us. Lord God, Your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heaven, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Look at the creative splendor of your skies, your creative genius glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at your moon and your stars mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. 
when I look up and see such wonder and workmanship, I have to ask you this question. Compared to all this cosmic glory, why would you bother with me? Yet what honor you have given to us, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned like kings and queens with glory and magnificence. You have delegated to us mastery over all you have made. You have placed earth under the feet of your image bearers. Lord, your name is so great and powerful. People everywhere see your majesty. What glory streams from the heavens, filling the earth with the fame of your name. Let's stand together.